Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. As I say always, welcome back uh, to our study of Proverbs, and we are still on verses 9 and 10 in chapter 3. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read from verse 5 to, uh, to verse 10, and then we'll start our study. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, thank you so much for the children, the young people, may be watching this. Father, I pray that they would learn to, well, first of all, Father, that they would know you, the splendor of your person, of your attributes, that they would acknowledge your preeminence and submit to your sovereignty, to your authority in all things. Oh, Lord, raise up a generation, even in the midst of this dark world, raise up a generation of young men and women who love your son and who stand against the tide, against the current, who stand in love and conviction. They stand. So, Lord, now please help us with this study on the use of our resources. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, verse 9, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now again, to, to, to honor the Lord. And here, the idea, we, we're to honor the Lord in everything. We're to honor the Lord in our behavior, our speech, our profession, whether we eat or we drink, we're to do all for the glory of God. We know that. But, but here it's talking about honoring the Lord with something that um, that is very precious to men, and that is wealth. Now, I'm not saying that's right, but what I'm saying is it is a reality. Um, the thing that men usually most desire and admire is, is wealth. That's why oftentimes, and we're going to see even in this chapter three, that wisdom, you know, when it wants to talk about the, the importance of wisdom, it compares it to jewels, to gold, to silver. These are the things that men, for the most part, desire. And so if we're able to take that which is most desirable to men and submit that to God, it demonstrates a true and sincere devotion to God. Now. Um, I asked some questions. I'm going to repeat them. 
We're to honor the Lord. He's to come first in everything. And so I asked the question, does he come first in your finances? Uh, when you get paid, is that the first thing that you separate out? Is that which is due unto the Lord? Secondly, does he come first in your time? It's not just your money. I mean, you, you <laughs> he's not going to be paid off. Let me put it that way. He wants it all. Does he come first in your time? Do you meet with him? The first fruits of the day. And, and you know as well as I do. If you delay your time with the Lord, then usually it'll end up getting lost somewhere in all the busyness of the day. And then does he come first in your relationships? Now, we should love people. We should love our mother, our father. When we're married, we should love our wives, our husbands, our children. But the one who has preeminence in all our relationships is to be the Lord. And it's to him we look first. And then here this text is talking about money. And I brought up, why does he bring up the idea of money or finances or wealth when it talks about honoring the Lord? And it's because, as I've said, love of money is one of the greatest competitors to one's love for God. Um, the draw of money can be very, very strong because you can do so much in this world with money. And um, and many times we've seen the case. We see it in the Bible, with Achan, with even people in the New Testament, where the love of money ended up shipwrecking them and destroying their lives because they put money over God. And because our relationship to money, also the way we handle money, is one of the greatest indicators of our relationship to God. As I said earlier in, in this this study, um, if we're able to submit our finances to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then probably most other things will fall in line. And finally, uh, this is what we're going to talk about in this lesson. Is a text that's in First Timothy, chapter six, and I want us to go there. I think it's really, really important because, like I said, my goal is not to get through Proverbs fast and, and just say I we did that. My goal is to see you grow in the Lord and also to avoid many of the pitfalls that capture so many people and have captured so many people down through the ages. Look at first Timothy chapter six. And look at verse nine, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Now, let's go back to, well, I, t I tell you what, let, let's go a little bit farther. Uh, look at verse 6. Or verse five, we just keep going back. We end up doing the whole book of First Timothy, aren't we? Um, it speaks about a constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. This is about people who are using Christianity to make money. We don't have any of those today, do we? Of course we do. But don't think that that's something unusual. These guys have been around for over 2000 years. And if you go back 
They've been around since the very beginning. Balaam, others, who they do religious things and pretend to know God or be a representative of God for the purpose of gaining money. And so they suppose that godly they suppose that godliness is a means of gain, that they can somehow appear to be godly and use that to their economic advantage. Now, verse six, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Now, contentment means you're content, right? Um, but you have to be careful with that word because contentment is not a, syn a synonym for laziness or complacency in the same way that ambition isn't necessarily sinful. You can be ambitious for the right things, ambitious to serve the Lord, ambitious to grow in the Lord, ambitious for the glory of God, ambitious for usefulness in the ministry. In the same way, contentment means that if you're content with God's plan for your life, God's sovereign plan for your life, and you're commit content in any circumstance. If you're living in a tent in South America, you're content. If you're living in a normal home now in the United States, you're content. You're just content. Why? Because you know you're in the center of God's will. But I know some people who talk about I'm content when actually they're just complacent and lazy. They don't want to go forward. They they simply look at everything as this is the sovereignty of God. They assume no human responsibility and they just wait around for God to do something. That's not what this is talking about. This is Paul knowing that if he had money and could feed himself and clothe himself, he was content. And if he was in prison, deprived of many of the, the most basic human necessities, he was content because he was looking to the Lord. I have known people who were millionaires who weren't content, and I've known millionaires who were content, and I've known people who were poor who were content and those who weren't. The whole key is, what is God's plan for my life? And am I following the will of God as it's laid out in the scriptures? You see, now, verse seven, for we have brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of it either. That's a good reminder. It's always a good reminder when we're dealing with wealth. This is not permanent. This is not permanent. But there is a wealth that is permanent. And we gain that by using our wealth and our time and our resources here for the glory of God, according to the will of God, and for the benefit of God's people and the expansion of his gospel. Okay. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Now, that doesn't mean that there's a guy out there and he's um, he's got food and clothing and he's content. And the reason why he just has a little bit of food and a little bit of covering is because he's lazy and doesn't want to work. That's not what it's talking about. You see, you and I are to discover what the Bible teaches about work, and it teaches a lot. We're to work hard. We are and we are to seek to succeed in our work and we're to become better in our work. But after we have done the will of God, we're content. That work may pay off and prosper us greatly or that work may not prosper us greatly. The contentment comes from knowing we're in the will of God. The contentment does not come from the fact that we're poor or we're rich. 
but that we know God's will and we're in the center of it. Now, verse 9, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Now, this does not say, let's look at what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that the rich fall into temptation. It says those who want to get rich. Like I said, I have known some very, very godly people in my life who were also very, very wealthy. I'm not one of them, but I know some and they're godlier than I am. But their goal, their pursuit in life is not to be rich. Their pursuit in life is to do the will of God and to fulfill God's plan for them for this generation. And God's plan happens to be that they abound in wealth and are able to use their wealth for the good of the kingdom. Do you see that? But those who want to get rich for the sake of riches. Yeah, they fall into temptation. Why? Because they're not looking. What is the will of God? What is the will of God? How can I glorify God? How can I help people? That's not what they're looking at. They're looking at how can I get rich? And that is extremely dangerous and it catches you in a snare and leads to many foolish and harmful desires. Have you heard people say he sold his soul for he sold his soul to the devil for that? Well, that's pretty much the case. There have been people who, for the sake of getting wealthy, have sold their bodies, have sold their souls, have sold their convictions, have sold their families, have sold their religion, their relationship with God. They've sold everything to get rich and there's nothing more foolish, nothing more foolish. But again, you know, those of us who have been missionaries and work in missions, do you know what we realize? If it wasn't for very hardworking and prosperous people, the mission work would be greatly harmed. No, they live in house. They live in nice houses. They don't live in tents in the bush. But if it wasn't for them, the guys going to the bush would never make it there. Do you see that? So young person, look, don't don't judge just like someone that's just blind and foolish. The, the, the judge of a man's life is not that he's poor, it's not that he's rich, it's that he has pursued the will of God for his life, studied the scriptures, conformed his life to the scriptures, and then let God take care of the rest. All right, now, verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. Now, I want you to look at something. It doesn't say that money is the root of all sorts of evil. It doesn't say that. It says the love of money. Money is a neutral thing. It really is. Now, it can be a very, very dangerous thing, but it is a neutral thing. The question is, what do you do with it? I know people personally who have used their money to begin orphanages in Asia so that orphan children can know Christ. Money is not evil, but the love of money is evil. Also, I want you to see something here that's very important. It says, for the love of money is a root. It doesn't say the root. It is a root. And, and literally, it's not all sorts of evil. It is a root of all evil, which means from the love of money. 
every kind of evil imaginable can spring forth. You name it, the love of money can produce it. But know this, um, the love of power is a root of all evil. What does that mean? If you love power, if you love power, every evil imaginable can spring from that. Uh, the love of physical beauty, we can say, is a root of all the evil, of all evil. Because any kind of evil, absolutely any kind of evil, can spring forth from that. Now let me throw something at you that you probably wouldn't expect. A love of ministry for ministry's sake. From that, every sort of evil can spring forth. Do you see? When, when love is misdirected away from God to any other thing, not just money, but from any other thing, from that can spring every manner of evil. We, haven't we, we all heard stories of crimes of passion where a man, you know, and a, a man in a, falls in love with a supposedly with a woman who is married or vice versa. And they supposedly their love for one another brings forth a terrible evil. They kill the husband. Did you see any kind of love? Now, I'm not trying to take away from the fact that the love of money is a root of all evil. I'm just telling you that don't just blame love of money. Any misdirected love from that can spring every kind of evil. Do you see that? And that's why we need to be hard and fast in this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Do you see that? And that's why all <laughs> all obedience, every kind, every manner, every type of obedience flows from love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Every right thought, every right disposition, every right attitude, work, you name it, flows from Love that is directed, focused on the right thing, in this case, a person, God. And from that flows every kind of virtue. In the same way, a misdirected love. An idol replacing God, loving something other than God from that can spring forth every kind of evil. Now, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith. It's true. This is, is true. Demas loved the world and left Paul and Christianity and the ministry. Uh, if you live long enough, you'll, you'll see the same thing. Um, I've known people that uh, seem to be Christian and they ask God to bless them, ask God to help them. Uh, their business started growing and little by little. Their business became their God. Their business became their God and they wandered away from the faith. There are those people who are caught up in what we call the prosperity gospel, which really isn't about Jesus. It's about money. It's about what God can do for you. And they wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Young person, I have said over and over. 
you can give yourself to sin in such a way that, that, that either you slide or something immediately happens in which you've hurt yourself and the consequences cannot be avoided. One of the things I've always warned my boys about is, you know, you could do something and look at your dad and say, Dad, help me out, help me, save me. And maybe sometimes I can, but you can also enter into certain circumstances because of your sin where you'll turn and say, Dad, help me. And Dad will have to say, I can't. You break the law. Dad, help me. I'm sorry. You're turned over to the law. Dad can't help you. On the day of judgment, Dad, help me. No, I, I can't. You see. Young people, listen to me. Sin hurts and you can pierce yourself with many griefs and then you can look and say, oh, I wish I hadn't done this. But the fact of the matter you have. Yes, God can forgive all sin, but some consequences you may not be able to avoid. Now look at verse 11, but flee from these things, you man of God. Now he's talking to Timothy, but I could put in here, man of God, woman of God. Any one of you who invoke the name of Christ, who claim to be a follower of Christ, I can say to you, flee from these things. Run. Now, I want to say something in the Bible when it ever talks, when it ever talks about. Getting rid of something, it uh, also talks about taking something. You know, separate yourself from sin, not just to be there separated. You separate yourself from sin in order to have fellowship with God. You lay aside, you run from, you flee certain vices, not so you can just stand there neutral, but so that you can run to virtue. And that's what we have here. So I want you to look at this. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue. So run away from something. OK, these things that will destroy you, these things that will distract you from God, these things that will pierce you with many griefs, these sins that will just bring ruin to your life, run from them. And I mean, run. 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 But run to something, pursue it, chase it down. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance and gentleness. Now, um, it's a little off subject, but it's it's good. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance and gentleness, they're not just going to happen. They're not just going to knock on your door one day and say, we're here. They're not. You have to chase them down. You have to pursue them. Is that what you're doing? Let me ask you a question. Are you running? Because if you're a biblical Christian, I need to see you running away from something and running to something. I need to see you running away from sin. And I need to see you pursuing actively, intelligently, conscientiously pursuing righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance and gentleness. Are you pursuing those things? Or are you just sitting there? Again, this is not just to inform you, brother, sister, this is not just to inform you. This is to get you doing something, doing the will of God. Now, let's see, we're going to have to stop there because uh, 
we went too long because I don't want to get in the middle and have to stop on verse 10. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And we're going to look at that in the next section, next session. But what I want you to see is this. Let's avoid extremes. Uh, we're not going to act like a bunch of uh, these name it, claim it prosperity preachers on one hand. No. But on the other hand, we're not going to deny the fact that God cares about his people, can bless his people, can prosper his people according to his will and according to our need. So let's uh, keep that balance. All right. Well, I'll see you in the next study. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.